Hey everyone, Ben here with a quick interruption before we get into today's episode to let you know that we have been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. Yippee! That is very, very exciting. We are actually incredibly honoured and excited to have that nominee. And you, the listener, yes, the very person that is listening to this right now can help us win a Sports Podcast Award and get us on the podium for once rather than always being off the podium. To do so, head to sportspodcastawards.com. Dot com, register to vote, click on the Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast category where you can then vote for us to win. Now, you will have to listen to the other nominees as well, but let's be honest, you know you're going to vote for us because you're listening to our show today, which means we know you like us and we'd very much appreciate the vote in advance. Sportspodcastawards.com, that's how you do it, and we thank you in advance. And everybody who votes for us, we promise to thank you in our acceptance speech should we win. Right now, I'm going to shut up, play some music, and then you're going to hear me talk again as we get into today's episode of Off the Podium. Enjoy. They're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philodeau. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got it. Yes! Sally Stegel, 132.67 has won at least the medal. She's 0.24 up. Beauty! On the ice with the Gimlet. The Gimlet scoping! These gold of games have their crowning moments. It is off the podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you once again for an interview with an athlete. And we are obviously right on the cusp of Beijing. I can literally say this minutes away, essentially, uh, hours away to be precise. But we are speaking to Kiara Redingus, member of Team Australia Bobsled, who at the time of recording this, now we did record this back in December, was in the midst of the World Cup season and uh, aiming to get towards the Olympics. Of course, by the time we're releasing this, we will know whether or not Kiara is at the Olympics or not. But uh, we'll say, always preface this by saying this was recorded a couple of months ago. But this is a a fascinating chat with Kiara because essentially you'll hear me explain this in the interview was really connected with Kiara through Ash Werner, who, of course, we had on several months ago. And this is a fascinating story that Kiara comes from the middle of Western Australia, pretty much desert, and had never even seen snow before when she got the nod and sort of was recruited to become a bobsledder. So a fascinating story about how Ash contacted her and actually how Ash wasn't the first person to contact her to try and get over into bobsled, coming from a heptathlon background, very nearly was at the Commonwealth Games in 2018 as a heptathlete. But it's a fascinating story hearing from the disappointment of not making Gold Coast right through to potentially becoming an Olympian, why the Olympics weren't necessarily always a dream for her, and what it was like growing up in a town in the middle of nowhere in Western Australia, a very, very isolated state, very isolated town in an isolated state as well. So you'll learn a lot about that, what it was like switching from heptathlon over through into bobsled and I continue my push to try and get me in the Olympics somehow by getting a sled named after me can this work will this happen for me who knows we will wait and see come 
Beijing. But here is our, our chat with Australian bobsledder Kiara Radingas. So exciting today to continue our coverage of the Beijing Olympics. In the lead up to the Beijing Olympics, we're getting so very close and speaking to athletes who will be there, potentially be there, sports that are going to be at the Games and everything else in between. We're returning to one of our favourite sports on Off the Podium today, a bobsled. We've had a few guests on the show from the Australian bobsled team in the lead up to Beijing. And we've got another member on today who I'm very excited to learn more about her journey into the sport because it is a fun (laughs) journey, how she got into the support. She's maybe well known for some other sports, particularly heptathlon, talking about an Oceanic gold medalist in the sport of heptathlon, second in the Commonwealth Games trials back in 2018. But we're here to talk about bobsled and maybe a little bit about that right now. Uh, it's a pleasure to welcome off the podium Kiara Radingas right now with us. Kiara, first of all, pleasure to uh, speak with you today here and off the podium. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's, a I, I am ex- well, it's a pleasure to have you here because I am excited to learn about this journey. I was saying a little bit to you off air that uh, Ash, Ash Werner, of course, we had on the show a couple of months back, uh, talked you up, talked your praises uh, <laughs> and mentioned somebody that uh, you would be great to get on the show to learn about your journey because you're, you're from basically the middle of Western Australia and now you're competing in bobsled. Now, you don't really, I guess, associate the middle of Western Australia, <laughs> you know, not much snow there uh, with somebody who potentially could be at the Winter Olympics very soon. Uh, I've got to ask straight away, how how on earth are you competing in bobsled coming from the middle of Western Australia? Yeah, well, I wouldn't have thought that either. It wasn't exactly um, something I uh, dreamed of and <laughs> pursued. It kind of was a, a set of um, fortunate for me circumstances. Um, in Australia, particularly because um, obviously winter sports aren't as big, the skiing and um, things like that, we have like really top top of the range sort of facilities and athletes. But something like bobsled, where we don't have a bobsled track um, or any of the events where we don't have the facilities, it's very hard, obviously, for Australians to be um competitive in those events or even know they exist or be around them. So um, I'm from Western Australia, so uh, the Winter Olympics was never kind of something that I ever thought of, Um, but I was an athlete and what happens for bobsled, particularly in Australia, is someone decides that they want to be a pilot and then they stalk people on social media and then they... uh, (laughs) try and recruit them onto their team. So athletics, track and field is obviously um, a really good place for them to look um, for athletes that might be suitable as well as, you know, the beach sprinters and rugby players. And they just keep an eye out on um, anyone around Australia who might have um, the good sort of physiology to potentially um, be good at bobsled quite quickly because they've already got the background uh, training levels where anyone could do bobsled. But um, in terms of getting there um, quicker, they usually try and find the the athletes just because of the expense of the sport and um, the requirements to be away from home and stuff. It's it's hard to develop, um, spend the time developing 
athletes from Australia before they go over, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So when you get that initial contact, I'm assuming it was from, from Ash, uh, what, what's your thought process then when you've got somebody going, hey, never thought about bobsled before? Well, I actually got contacted by Bree, the other Australian pilot, um, in 2018 after my non-selection for the Commonwealth Games. Um, and I was at the stall gift uh, racing there and her coach came up to me and it was just, it was very random. He's like, oh, can I talk to you, Kiara? And I was like, yeah, no worries. And he's like, have you ever um, thought about bobsled? And I was like, I just... <laughs> I, I just thought it was like I had I, it was so out of the blue and I was like no I have I haven't <laughs> so, and um, he, he's like I, I think that you have um, the perfect sort of body for it um, heptathletes and decathletes generally do really well at it um, would you consider it and I'm sort of just warming up for my running race and I'm just like <laughs> this is all um are you serious like are you a lot and he goes yeah yeah I think you would be really really good at it and we're trying to um you know build the, the women's team and, and I said oh I I, oh, I don't I don't know um I'll, I'll think about it thank you and and at that time I was I was really committed to athletics and um I was just in a place where I I wanted to run and um I I was still trying to decide what I wanted to do with my life after the Commonwealth Games trials, um, if I wanted to continue with athletics. Um, but I did know that I really liked sprinting. And um, so I messaged back and I was just like, thanks so much for the opportunity. It'd be really cool if I could just like jump in and give it a go, but I don't really have the resources or um, the time really um, to just go and do bobsleds. <laughs> so, um <laughs> We, we left it there and then uh, a couple of years later I got this other message from Ashley uh, and she was like, oh, hey, sorry to like send you a random message, but um, I'm, I'm an Australian bobsled pilot. Have you ever kind of heard about it? And I was like, actually, I've already been asked about this before. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she was like, yeah, you, you know, you're a prime candidate for um, a push person. So, um I, I said the same thing to her, but I had um, I had just moved to Melbourne um, just before she kind of contacted me, um, and I said, "No, I'm committed to athletics. I don't really have the financial resources to do bobsled. I'd really love to give it a go because honestly, like number one, I think I'd be good at it, but number two, I'm I, I'm scared that I'm will be scared of it, <laughs> so I don't want to commit to something." I don't, I don't want to commit to something that I could potentially hate um, yeah. because, you know, you're quite fast down an icy hill. So uh, I don't really know what that feels like. So I haven't even seen snow. So she was like, oh, really? Well, <laughs> um, so she left it there, but like just, you know, every couple of months would check in and um, check, check if <laughs> I was still keen on athletics. Um, and then the pandemic happened and I got a few injuries with athletics. Um, I saved a lot of money through the pandemic because we couldn't do anything. Um, and I was just at a different sort of time in my life and a different, had different desires, I guess. And um, I was like, do you, do you think you still need someone? Like, um, I think, I think maybe I want to give it a go. I have, I, it was mainly the money. I had saved enough money to kind of support myself um, for that amount of time. My work was okay with it. 
um, for me to leave for however long I needed. And yeah, and then she was she was trying to play it cool, but she was very excited. <laughs> I can <laughs> imagine. Ash is a bit excitable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. wow. Which is because I believe you were quite late even getting into athletics, weren't you? This wasn't something that you had grown up doing. You were quite, I guess, older compared to what most people are when they get into the sport. Yeah, I started when I was 21 um, in athletics. I was always good in high school. I really enjoyed our high school carnivals and stuff like that. But growing up in a small country town, um, we didn't have a lot of organised team sports. So um, I didn't grow up with the ball skills and hand-eye coordination and everything that a lot of kids, you know, they start from when they're five and when you go into basketball and hockey and things like that. Um, there's a lot of natural um, awareness of where the ball is and where uh, the field players are and stuff, which I didn't have. So I played um, both basketball and hockey in both year 11 and 12, just um, to be a bit social. But um, I got a lot better, but it was it was never, um, I never quite fit because I was kind of starting that late. And when I went to university in Perth, I um, I wanted to try and get to know people and, and be a bit more social because I didn't know anyone in Perth and um, I wanted to do a sport because I've always been very active, um, but I didn't yeah I didn't want to go into a, a ball sport as an adult so I knew that athletics was something that I really loved in high school so I went down to a club and um, looked at my coach and he looked at me and, and uh, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, um, I really like sprinting and I really like high jump. And he just looked at me and started laughing because <laughs> I was, I was a bit um, like a bit bigger than I am now, like just curvy um, and strong looking, but not like a tall, skinny high jumper. <laughs> And he, he said, you don't really look like a high jumper. He said, what have you jumped? And I said, well, I jumped 160 in high school. And he goes, wow, you must be quite strong to be able to do that with your body. And I said, thank, thank you. <laughs> <I think. laughs> That's um, a compliment. <laughs> yeah. And he said, he said, you look like a heptathlete. And I said, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so he, he went through the events and um, he said, let's, let's train for that until you um, – you want to specialize in something or you find what, what you're really good at. And I wasn't ever really good at anything except the heptathlon, which is a bit of everything. <laughs> so yeah. I kept, I kept um, doing the heptathlon and, and I um, improved really rapidly. He was very elite minded and um, he really laid out a plan for you um, to become elite if you wanted to take it. So I worked my life around uh, being a, a full-time athlete and, um, Within the four and a half years from when I started, I made it to Commonwealth Games level, which was pretty cool. And um, then uh, I decided to move to Melbourne to have a bit more opportunity because WA is very isolated um, and it's hard to get the competitions and um, it's very expensive to go from WA. Um, and then that didn't quite work out for me. I got injured very quickly and then I was dealing with that and got more injuries for about two years I was injured and then uh, the pandemic hit. And so then we were in uh, in Melbourne for the lockdown. So, um, yeah, that that was how I shifted out of athletics. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
one of the many lockdowns, of course, in Melbourne. Uh, I think you, you lose yes. count of how many they end up having. Just, I really wanted to touch on Leonora, where you're from in WA. Now, I believe this is about the same distance from Perth as Melbourne is from Sydney. So this is very remote, basically, yes. uh, a long way away, closer to Kalgoorlie. Give, us, give our listeners and our viewers on YouTube an idea about Leonora, like, what's it known for? What's it like? Should people visit there? Is this like a hidden gem where maybe we we want to leave it untouched so it doesn't get ruined? Uh, Leonora is an old gold mining town, um, and so there's a, a ghost town, uh, old ghost town right next to it called the Suns, well, it's called Gualia, um, wow. and then there's, there's a, a mine there called uh, Sons of Gualia um, that's that gets taken over um, by the next mining company all the time. So that's the main mine there. Um, and the town when I was growing up, probably it was probably one of the biggest it, it's been and that, that had about 2,000 people um, because all the families of the miners were in town, whereas now uh, the, for a while the mines shut down and um, when they reopened, it became more FIFO and so there's not as many families in town anymore so the school is a district high school um, so the primary school and the high school are combined Uh, when I was going through school when we got to high school there was only maybe 12 kids in the whole high school from year 7 to 12 Um, so so, uh, we left um, Leonora um, in for year eight and I went to Kalgoorlie Um, my parents still live in Leonora and uh, me and my sisters went to Kalgoorlie so my older sister did her high schooling with a a family there she lived with them and then when I went down I lived with my auntie for uh, a year and then when my little sister came down um, there was nowhere for her to go there was no one that we could really board her with so mum and dad rented a a house and put us in there. <laughs> so, wow. So it was a 12, 15 and uh, just turned 18-year-old and we looked this after ourselves. But Might, uh, might be the, the most furthest removed town you could ever think of for Australia to potentially produce a Winter Olympian. I mean, I, I can't imagine, I mean, what would the nearest <laughs> snow be, like, you know, ski area like Mount Hotham or something like that? I mean, you're a long way yeah, away from anything. Yeah, definitely be in Victoria. Um, I think would be the closest. I haven't. I didn't. I, I hadn't seen snow even in Melbourne because when I first got there, that's something that you want to experience with someone, you know, with people. I didn't know anyone uh, in Melbourne, so I was like, oh, I'll do it next year. And then the next year we were locked down, so I couldn't. I did. It's actually a, a little lie that I haven't seen snow at all because um, random, randomly in October, I think last year it ran. Uh, it snowed in Ballarat when I was right. there working um, for about 10 minutes. It, uh, there was a bit of snow, <laughs> snow falling. <laughs> it counts. It counts. Uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of uh, a little bit of snow that I, I saw there, so, but not quite it's, the same over here. <laughs> it, it's something that I think growing up in Hobart I always took for granted because, I mean, it didn't necessarily snow at ground level. I think I got that once in my life, but we've obviously got Mount Wellington, big mountain overlooking the city, which it snows all the time in winter, so during winter we can just go up the mountain it's a 20 minute drive and you can experience snow so i've had lots of family and friends coming from the mainland who come to hobart in winter like wow snow i've never seen snow before and you're like oh okay it's 
it's interesting with that way. But did you, at least growing up, I mean, whether it be watching the Summer Olympics, but, I mean, did you ever pay attention to something like the, the Winter Olympics? Was that something that you ever, I guess, had a, not of, a lot of knowledge about and kind of had some sort of interest in? Yeah, my um, my parents, particularly my dad, are, are really interested in uh, watching sport. So um, we would always watch the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games and have the Winter Olympics on. But obviously, it's not broadcast the same in Australia. Um, so I definitely knew about it. Um, the Olympics was always, and the Commonwealth Games was always really um, fun to watch. I always really enjoyed watching it, but. I never had any um, any Olympic dreams. Like I was not, I I always enjoyed sport, but I, I just never had that um, big world view, you know, like I didn't think that I would be someone who could do something like that. And um, my journey has, has more been about uh, being the best that I can be and, improving in the ways that I could can and committing um, fully to whatever I'm doing and um, that has actually taken me <laughs> to, a, to a position where I might be able to make the Olympics which is very bizarre to me um, but it's very very cool as well. Which I can imagine though that progression through particularly in heptathlon when you said you got to Commonwealth Games level you got second at the trials in 2018 unfortunately weren't picked but do, do things like that all of a sudden give you a bit of a, hey, this could happen? I am at a level now where I could go to an Olympics and then you slowly set your focus to, okay, well, let's look towards Tokyo, for example, as a potential goal. Yeah, definitely. I think um, that competition particularly was the first time that um, – I really recognised what level I was at, obviously, because there was proof. But my coach was always saw it and knew what we were working towards. And, and he obviously did tell me that I was just like, I'm just doing my thing. I'm just training. You know, we'll think about the rest later. So um, I definitely after the selection, I, I made it more of my... Um, or in the non-selection, I made it more of my focus, um, realising that, it, you know, I still didn't necessarily um, be like, I need to make the Olympics. Like, that still wasn't um, what I was pushing for. It was it was the next level competition that I was at. And so I was pushing for it because that was what I was preparing for at the level that I was at then. Um, but then, then knowing that actually became more difficult because um, you kind of push harder when you shouldn't. So going to Melbourne was a really big decision for me and um, all the changes uh, emotionally and um, changing coaches and physically and, and things like that. I wasn't that smart about it and I pushed too hard and, and that's why I got injuries and things like that. But I definitely learned a lot about myself and, and what I actually um, got from uh, elite level sport and an, an elite level mindset. So I was, especially over the lockdown, <clears throat> we had lots of time to reflect <laughs> and, to, and do a little bit of personal work. So I, I just realized that I don't need to get to those big competitions. I 
need to commit myself in the way that I know is best for me and that's going to get me to those really awesome experiences and that, that's what it is and it's an experience and um, to appreciate the process and appreciate my life while I'm doing that is the most important to me and so I've um, tried to step back from locking on to that one big goal and that one big moment and and really enjoying my life which is is working towards it and so I, I think that helps me a lot a lot more than uh, thinking four years in the future all the time. <laughs> What's the opinion like from your athletics coaches and even your family and friends when you go, hey, so just FYI, this bobsled thing's come back into my life and I think I'm going to give this a, give this a bit of a crack? <laughs> um, unfortunately, my, my coach from WA, he passed away last year, which was really hard. I couldn't go back um, to the funeral because of the border closures and stuff. Um, he, he was a hardcore athletics fan. So, uh, when I mentioned it the first time, he sort of just laughed at me because you'd be very good at it, but it's not what you're training for. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that was about it for that conversation. My coach, um, that I had in Melbourne, um, he was really excited for me. He thought that, um, I would just be perfect for it. And, um, he was so supportive and, um, really helped me I was I was a bit worried about leaving athletics it's obviously a big chunk of my life and 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 what I've um you know really committed to for the last sort of six seven years um and so I was a little bit nervous about um sort of having that discussion but he was so supportive and and he still supports me now so he he just thought it was the best idea because <laughs> my my body type and shape if you look at um break women is is very good for it and so um I've I've fit into it really quite well because of that I asked when we had Sarah on the show and, and pretty much any bobsledder on you've got to ask the cliche uh, cool runnings question but uh, Sarah talked about how when she kind of decided to give it a go basically the family went out and rented cool runnings that night so I mean was that something that <laughs> you had to do like is it just kind of like a, a passing you know tradition that anybody who decides to get into Bob said you've got to go get cool runnings out and watch it again yeah I'm not gonna lie that did that definitely did happen <laughs> I was working in Ballarat at the time so my housemates we were all talking about it and we we're like we're gonna watch cool Runnings." so we had the little family night and we all watched it and um and then we would get on online and, and watch a whole bunch of bobsleds going down tracks. And we're like, wow, that's uh, pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Uh, that way. Do you remember sort of that process then from the, okay, I'm going to do this to, I mean, eventually we'll get to when you go to your first World Cup. But, I mean, is it a case of you've got to meet Ash, you've got to go somewhere and do some, you know, training pushes to kind of see how you'd go? I mean, kind of what's that process like from going, I'll do this to, leading you to your World Cup debut? Uh, it was really difficult because of um, the lockdowns. I didn't, uh, I was actually, I had a, um, a stress reaction in my foot uh, when I was sort of saying to Ash, like, I'm really keen, but uh, this injury is, is still niggling and I don't want to commit to you unless I know that I'm physically able to at least, you know, give it all I've got. So, um, you know, watch this space kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> I didn't have a, a home garage for the for the final lockdown of, of last year, I guess. Uh, I can't 
remember <laughs> them all, but <laughs> too many um, of them. <laughs> there was one point where I just didn't have a gym, so it was very hard uh, to obviously do strength training. Uh, I was doing, I signed up for a, a hand balancing course, like a muscle handstands course, um, which was really working back onto um, all your fine little motor muscles and and the controlling muscles and your ab work and everything. And then that was actually a really good time for me to go back and work on the basics that you usually skip over because you you just want to muscle through it and use your big muscles in the gym and things like that. So it actually really helped me a lot doing that um, over lockdown. Um, but my my training was mainly me getting back um, to, be, to being able to train because I had that stress injury. Um, and it was really right up until um, I, I, had, I had started incorporating in. I, I managed to get back to WA and use the gym there. Um, I talked to Ash's coach, strength and conditioning coach, Jolt, and um, he was really the last kind of um, thing that made me really want to do it because I, I, I said, can I just talk to someone else? I just, I just want... Uh, I want like I'm once I commit I'm all in so I, I just want to make sure that I'm doing it for the right reasons and and that I can I can really do this for you I don't I don't want to sort of say yes and then be like oh actually I, I can't do it or, um, so I I called Jolt and he is is um, Hungarian and, and he used to uh, bobsleigh for them and and he's just so passionate about it. He just loves it. We love him on social media. He's very uh, fun to follow and uh, very passionate guy. Yeah, (laughs) he's very passionate about bobsled. And the thing that he brought up without me saying anything, um, which I think that I was looking for particularly after the isolation, was um, the bobsled community and um, how you just really feel part of it and it's, it's supportive and... He, he came from athletics as well, where it's a lot more individual um, focused. And um, he just said, I think you will really love it. And I think you'll really be good at it. And, and, and you need to try it. And I said, I, I think, I think you've convinced me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so then he signed, I signed him up for my coach as well. And I, I started doing his programming. And then about a month later, I think, Melbourne was going to go into another lockdown and I and we we're going to leave a month after that to Lake Placid. Uh, well, we're going to go to Canada, but um, I said to Ash, I don't know if I'll be able to leave Melbourne. Like I'm not really sure what will happen if I get locked down. I'm in Melbourne and you're in Sydney. Will we get overseas? She's like, I don't know. And I said, well, they're going to go into lockdown tonight. And uh, she said, do you want to just come here? And I was like, okay. So I just packed up my my stuff and I went to Sydney and I lived in Sydney for a month with her. And then we went overseas. Um, we were going to go to Calgary, but um, the borders were locked to us. So then we went to Lake Placid, which is Ash's, considered Ash's home track because she's had the most runs there. She learned how to drive there. Um, and we we're there for two months. They've got a brand new ice house facility. So I could learn to run on that, on the ice. And ice house is just got a ramp and then it, and then it comes back up the other way. It's just an indoor facility. 
Um, and so that was really, really beneficial for me because obviously I had never been on ice before. And if my first time was straight off the top of the hill, it would have been very difficult for me to practice technique and, and how to actually feel comfortable running on the ice, etc. Wow. Wow. So this, this all has happened fairly quickly then. So like from the moment you've basically accepted it to where we are now recording this, I mean, what is that? Like six months? Am I kind of putting that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, like I, I had been thinking about it a long time, obviously it was a couple of years since Ash first contacted me and before that Brie had contacted me. So um, it's not like it wasn't in my head, um, but I really had to let go of athletics um I think and that was really hard for me um and so for me to really uh go all in and commit like I only yeah said yes in I think uh end of June maybe and um and then now we're here that's <laughs> so, wow that's that's yeah. so crazy do you obviously you've been talking a bit to Ash sort of on the phone social media and that I can imagine when you meet her and finally get hangout. I mean, we loved Ash on the show. Ash, just a bundle of energy. I can't imagine yeah. that that doesn't exuberate in person as well. I mean, how's that getting to sort of know Ash in those initial moments while obviously, uh, I guess, trying to learn about the sport at the same time? Yeah, it, she's been really, um, really great for me. Like, I, I'm quite introverted. I'm, I'm very good socially. Like, I've, I've learned a, a lot of social skills. I'm um, a teacher by trade. Um, but typically I'm, I'm very introverted. I just hang out with my dog a lot. And, um, (laughs) she, she's really great with people. She's, um, she's uh, like you say, she's got a bundle of energy and, um, she made me feel really, really comfortable. She did everything that she could to help me, um, help me get organized, help me move from Melbourne. She's just like, come and live with me, like her and her boyfriend, living together so like that's pretty big deal they were only in a small apartment and she was just like yep do it like let's go let you know (laughs) we're in this together kind of thing so she set me up at the gym at N Swiss and um obviously we shot her coach and she really really um helped me out and we just got along really well um from the get-go which was very handy Uh, that was a big thing for me as well like uh, obviously like you not not necessarily you have to um you know be best friends with everyone that you work with but if you're going to live with someone and uh, train and brief with them for eight months you, you need to have that natural kind of uh instant connection so um that was really good and then um we we're very different personalities naturally um but we're both um pretty good at uh, working out our communication with each other. So there was a few challenges when we first got to Lake Placid on on just the words we use and trying to explain to each other what we actually mean. And um, once we got past that, we, it was really easy for us to work together. And I can imagine too coming from a very individual sport like athletics to then having a teammate kind of switching into a team environment. Do you find that? challenging as well that I guess working with someone things like chemistry and that that you're kind of alluding to there is very important so switching focus from an individual athlete to being in a team environment I think for me particularly um maybe coming from the hip was a lot easier than maybe if you came from just an individual event but I also really enjoy um coaching and and working with people as well just to develop into kind of the best version of yourself or the best athlete you can be so 
I, Ash always mentions to me, she's like, for an individual athlete, you're very team oriented, which is quite unusual. Um, I, I just really love bringing everyone up together. Like I, I think, you know, um, it, it's, it's really exciting like that. I think the biggest challenge for me uh, in this situation is not um, that the team environment in terms of uh, Bob said, it, it's that you have to travel together, you have to sleep together, you have to eat together, you have to train together. So you're around people um, constantly, which, which, you know, even with your partner or something, you, you would get a lot more space normally from that. And so that's the most challenging thing of this whole journey rather than actually getting along with, with my team. And so we're all like very supportive of each other, very respectful of, of um, everyone's like time and space and moods and everything like that. But you are on top of each other all the time in, in small kind of places where you are moving around week by week. And, and that's probably more challenging than actually working in a team because I, I, I quite enjoy that. <laughs> I, I always love finding out from our bobsled guests, particularly, you know, Australian bobsledders who not necessarily growing up on this sport. You mentioned before about that potential fear factor when you think about, oh, that, that sounds a bit, you know, scary, you know, that sort of stuff. What was that first time like when you got in the sled and you went down a run? Do you, do you remember it? Well, we like we got to Lake Placid in summer and um, so there was the, the track wasn't iced. We were just using the ice house. Um, but there, there is this thing what they call a, a summer bob and it's it's a bobsled with wheels and it goes down the concrete track and um so we got to ride in that uh one of ashley's first driving coaches he took down in the summer bob and it's a four-man bob and um it it goes a little bit slower than a than an ice bobsled but still probably like 100k but it's got like a roll cage on it and things so you can actually sit up in it and and look around which as a brakeman, you you jump in the back and then you fold over and you stay as low as you can and you don't see anything. So um, I think that was actually perfect for my first experience because I got to see what was happening. Um, I think if I had first jumped in and you couldn't see anything, it's you, like it's quite loud and um, a bit bumpy. So <laughs> it would be, I think it would be a very different experience. But yeah, because I got to see see everything and you know, when you get knocked around, you kind of see like what the corner's doing and things like that. It was just really fun. I, w- I didn't have any anxiety about it at all, which was, which actually surprised me because I don't really like roller coasters or anything like that. So <laughs> I think I had just, I think I just prepared myself so much mentally to kind of commit to it that I was like, regardless of what happens, I'm doing this. And so then I just like let myself be okay with it. And and so I just enjoyed it. And the, and the first time I um, jumped in uh, in a real bobsled, we were at the top of um, Altenburg, which is one of the hardest tracks in the world. It's notorious for people crashing and things like that. Uh, so, I mean, I probably had a little bit of anxiety about, about that, but I've, I've never really jumped in thinking about crashing or anything like that. So it's mainly just... Um, staying relaxed and, and feeling what the track is doing and 
yeah, I, I actually, I really enjoy being in the sled, which is... <laughs> <laughs> That's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, which, is, which is good. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah, you had that enjoyment out of it. Mentally, when you're in the sled, obviously, as you're saying, you, you, you're kind of heads down, you're not seeing anything. But is it a case of that you're obviously your important role is to hit the brakes at the very end. So are you mentally like counting the turns, you know, sort of by feeling the sled moving that, okay, I'm into turn three, turn four, and sort of having to keep that up so that you know when to hit the brakes perfectly at the end? Yeah, I try, you try and learn the track a little bit and it helps you um, just prepare for which corner is coming. You, you don't don't necessarily shift your weight, but you are prepared for it to go that way. So like you, you probably tense a little bit more to one side or whatever the corner is going to go but sometimes it's a, it's really tricky depending on the track like for example the track here in Segulda is very easy to count the corners you know it just goes kind of left right left right left right and and they're very obvious corners whereas sometimes um, there will be corners that are just sort of going up a wall and up another wall and um, there are also corners that that go at a corner but the back might slide and, and bump you and, and then you think, oh, I'm off that corner and then and then you're still going that way and you get a little bit confused at, at what's actually happening. So in general, I try and count the corners. There's a couple of tracks where I just, I'm just like, I don't know, I don't know where I am. And then uh, most tracks will have what they call a Kreisel, which is um, circle in German. And so it's a big, very big corner and you get a lot of pressure there. The G-forces uh, hit you a bit harder and you, and you kind of get squashed in half more and like my head sits on the brake. So the helmet just like pushes against the brake in the Kreisel. And so you know what corner Kreisel is and and what number that is. And so then you can usually at least get an awareness of where you're at the track compared to where the finish line is going to be. Um, uh, But like in general, the harder braking straights, the pilot will just start yelling at you and go, brake, brake, brake. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case. Like, you want to hope they remember then. If all of a sudden they forget, then there's something going wrong with all of a sudden. Yeah, then we just fly off the hill. So it's not keep, keep, keep on going through. Yeah. I've got I've got to ask. I mean, you you mentioned that you saw a bit of snow in Ballarat, but obviously when you go to a place and you see snow like you get in Europe and, and North America, do you remember just were you blown away? Like, wow, snow. Like, I mean, kind of what's that thought? Cause snow is a quite a magical thing to see, particularly if you witness it for the first time, you know, as an adult. Yeah. I, uh, we were in, uh, Innsbruck in Austria, uh, just for preseason. And I, I woke up and Ash, Ash had just gone to the bathroom. Um, cause we share rooms or share beds all the time. So we're usually in the same room and she goes, Oh, look outside. It was about 6am. And, um, looked outside and, and there was just like snow everywhere. And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, and I was like, I think I'm going to go out. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. So I was putting on our, all our like warm clothes and then I had my Ugg boots on and I just like walked outside the door and just stepped in the snow. But it was like a little bit, it wasn't heaps of snow. So it was a little bit slushy. And I was like, oh, I didn't expect to be wet. And she's like, and I was like, I just thought it would be like a, a bit harder. <laughs> and so, so I had a look around and uh, threw a couple of snowballs and then came inside. And, nice. Um, you always spot the Australians, don't you, in these places? Like when I was living in Canada and yeah, it, it snowed, you know, everyone was grumpy. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, the snow. It's the same thing. Like, shut up. Why is there snow? Who cares? No. It's, this is normal. Yeah. So. I mean, I mean, to be fair, I'm pretty much like that now. I'm just like, okay, I'm over the snow. <laughs> like, it doesn't make life convenient, especially when you're dragging bobsleds around. <laughs> I, I mean, I can imagine growing up in Western Australia too, particularly where you are in Western Australia, your body gets used to a certain level of heat. So uh, to you, I can imagine something below 20 degrees is cold. So now you're dealing with below zero, which is a a different kettle of fish. (laughs) Yeah, I I suppose I was pretty lucky, like, moving to Melbourne because Melbourne's weather's pretty atrocious. But um, I was very surprised how quickly I adapted here. But I was quite lucky because we transitioned with the the seasons i didn't just rock up from australia into winter we went to um lake placid in summer and then it sort of slowly started getting cold and then we came to europe when when it was getting cold as well so it sort of went down from kind of that you know 15 degrees down um to so i i've probably only experienced now maybe negative five is the coldest um but this week in segulda it's going to get down to like negative 15 so i wow uh, I'm not looking forward to my eyeballs freezing, but you know, I have to do that, I suppose. <laughs> which, which I'm looking here at the uh, the climate chart for uh, Leonora, seeing that the uh, average high yeah. in summer is about 35, 37. So, yeah, a bit of a difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I was talking to Dad the other day. He's like, "What's the temperature there?" And I was like, oh, "I think it's zero at the moment, one, one degree maybe." And he's like, "Oh, it's forty-two here." Wow. <laughs> There's, there's, a, there's a big discrepancy there. What was that like in Innsbruck, your World Cup debut? You and Ash uh, 17th on, on debut for yourself. But, I mean, how is that kind of that moment when you realise that you're there, you've gotten yourself a top 20, you've obviously gotten yourself into the second round by getting into the top 20, but that journey that has led you here, you're in Innsbruck, Austria, competing in a bobsled World Cup, something you could have never imagined that you would have been doing in. But, I mean, how, how were you feeling after that weekend, your debut? Um, it was really exciting. I, um, it was, it was a bit strange, I think maybe because, um, because of all the COVID stuff, like, um, the training week is very similar to the, the race day because you can't have too many people around and things like that. So I wasn't, I wasn't too nervous to race, um, when I got on the block, I, I was overthinking a lot. And so after I ran, I was like, I've got so much more than that. Because when, when you, when you race, you, you shouldn't be thinking like you should have done that in training. You should just give it all you've got in a race. You shouldn't be thinking where your hands are or your toes are and all of these sort of weird things. But because I've only been off the top of the hill, like a handful of times, really, um, you know, that's obviously naturally going to be a thing for me. It's just all experience each time. I, I get in, I get in is still a, a new learning thing. I'm changing things all the time just because I'm new, so new to the sport. <clears throat> My technique changes like every day that I'm, I'm down at the track or in a push track or something like that. So um, I, we were, we were super happy with it, like to make the top 20. And, um, and I knew that there was so much more that we could give as well. And so that was really exciting to me. I never want to look at something and think that we did it perfect because then you don't really have much more to go. So um, I was I was really excited about, about that, um, knowing that we're only going to get better. And so I think we came 19th the first, um, first week and then we came 17th the, sixth, the next week and then um, we headed off to Oldenburg where I first first jumped in um, and we pushed in Altenburg, we pushed 
12th and 13th fastest start time, which is really big for us. So um, we're getting better each week. Um, but then there are um, teams that are on lower circuits. There's a couple of other circuits apart from World Cup, the um, North American Cup and the, the Europa Cup. And there's not as big a fields there. So there are teams that are, are kind of coming um, coming way down in the field or in times or something like that. And they're getting a lot more points than us being on the lower circuits. Um, so it was really sort of starting to um, pin on our, on our score um, that, that these teams were jumping above us in the rankings because they were on the lower circuits. So our team decided to go to North America and there were six races pretty much in a row that Ash um, could do um, three monobob and th uh, three two men um, and that would really boost out our rankings if she could kind of come top three in them so I couldn't really afford to um, blow that into my budget to split off to America so um, our other break break woman Tia uh, Tia Toomey went went with her and um, they they done really well they got a couple of seconds all, if I'm not yeah mistaken. all silver medals so six six silver medals, which is awesome. And, and now our ranking score is really boosted right up there. So we're back in the game. So that's really exciting. <laughs> so is that is that a case where in terms of when it comes to deciding the pairings, because obviously I'll talk to you in a little bit about the seventh with Bree in Winterberg at the World Cup. But, I mean, is it – are you set with Ash? Like you and Ash are the pairing and at the moment you just kind of fluctuate between teams to work out points or is it the coaches are working out those pairings by looking at you in different events and then they'll make a decision based on rankings and potential spots for the Olympics when that comes closer? Uh, well, in Australia it's quite hard because the teams are self-funded and self-organised. Um and, and so they really organise and arrange their own teams. And so really you've got autonomy um, with your team. So I am, uh, I am with Ash, um, but obviously we are Australia. So um, the, the selection criteria is really, um, it's really quite complicated. <laughs> and I'm not going to explain it to you because I don't fully understand it myself. But... <laughs> Um, essentially, it is easier for us to qualify two sleds in a sense than it is to just qualify one, just uh, how the rankings work and, and how many spots are allocated and stuff like that. And so Bree's two-man sled was um, not doing as well as they were hoping. And um, her points were kind of getting a bit lower in the two-man. She's obviously really killing the monobob and she's mm. doing really, really well in that. Very much so. Um, and so um, because I was in Europe anyway, we, um, we realised there was a really good opportunity um, for me to push with Brie and hopefully really boost her up in the, in the two-man rankings. So that's what happened and that's, that worked out really well for us. So now Brie's standing points are a lot higher for the two-man and then that essentially means that Ash's two-man um, is, is back in contention because now we have two sleds qualifying at the moment for the games, which is e easier to get than um, the one sled. Um, and so now from, from now on, from Christmas, we will be working as Australia just to um, kind of make sure we're looking at it, um, looking at the numbers and looking at what's the best way to get both our sleds there. Um, because that would be awesome for Australia that I don't think there's been 
many, if any, um, times that uh, sleds have qualified outright. Um, in, in the past, there has been a, an Oceana rule which, or, or, a, or a continental rule, which means that, um, you know, if your country has a team and they're the best team, they get to go to the Olympics um, for, for being there. But um, now with all the COVID stuff and, and everything, you have to hit a certain standard um, to qualify, you can't just go if you have a team from your country. So that's really big. That's really big for Australia if we can qualify two sleds. So absolutely, we're pretty excited. We're pretty excited for that. So, <laughs> which it must be pretty exciting then too with the seventh that you got with with Brian Winterberg. I mean, it's a, yeah. an Australian uh, highest place finish ever in a in a two woman bobsled. If I'm if I believe so, I mean that must be a yeah. Pretty special she, told, she told me that the other day. I was like, it's really fun. So. Uh, we had we pushed ninth, I think, um, and the first drive, uh, she was she was just trying to get this corner right, and it was just one little steer. She was she was a bit mad at herself, and then um, we pushed ninth again on the second run, and she drove phenomenally. So we we got to stand in the winners box. So um, essentially, on the second run, everyone comes off in reverse order. So if you're twentieth, you'll come off first. And then you stand in the winner's box. And then if the next one comes down faster than you, then they swap into the winner's box. Um, and so essentially you know what placing you are as everyone comes comes down. Um, so theoretically the next person should knock you out. But we got to stand there for about five places because we moved from 11th to 7th. So it's, it's kind of a weird feeling because you're, you're watching the screen hoping that the other person does really poorly. And then you're like... That's like, what I love about all winter sports. Like, I'm so sorry. I hope moments. that you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was really exciting. We got to stand there for a long time. Um, and then, uh, like, the Canadians come down and, and we beat a couple of the Canadians, which is pretty big for a tiny nation like Australia. So that was a very exciting moment for us. And, uh yeah, and then we and then we got knocked out. But uh, <laughs> we, we, we were, well, we're we're sort of a uh, we're sort of a co-Canadian Australian podcast. So I'll just say on behalf of Australia, <laughs> thank you for beating so that Colin can't gloat yeah. <laughs> about his side of the, the. They're winning too many medals at the moment. Canada. Yeah. So but, I mean, I've, the Canadians have been so lovely and so helpful to us. So. Um, you know, we're always stoked about how they go, but you know, from a small nation, it was very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, Carol, we're recording this. Um, you know, last week, basically, pretty much of of the year, the time we're releasing this will be a little bit closer to Beijing. But how's your mind right now with that prospect that in a couple of months you you could be an Olympian? This this is something that, as you're saying, it's not something you necessarily always strive towards, but it's a very realistic possibility. I mean, how how are you feeling about that possible prospect? Uh, to be honest, I I don't think about it that much. I, I don't try to think about it that much. Obviously, you need to get yourself organised. And there are a few things now that I, I, um, I have to make sure that I'm organised with just to make sure make sure that those plans can be in place but i i think particularly for me like um for the commonwealth games trials you know i ha- i had to we can we finished competing on the friday and i didn't find out to the monday that i didn't get selected and and it was most people were pretty certain that i would get selected um coming second at trials and and so to to get that taken away after you're so prepared for it was really really challenging for me and so I think for this, even though I know that it's, you know, a very real possibility, I don't, I don't think I'm uh, 
allowing myself to focus on it or get too excited about it because I'd rather get that phone call and then almost be surprised than um, then hang on to it and kind of go, yeah, I've got this in the bag <laughs> and then something very political happens. So for me, I'm just focusing on what I'm doing now and and being the best that I can be like in every moment that I'm sort of I, I'm doing it and um, I think that's enough for me. Like I, I, I want, you know, like I'm very, very lucky to come in to this sport and into the situation that I have and, and I've worked very hard but I also know and acknowledge the the luck that is involved with me being able to do so well um, in such a short amount of time so this is all an experience for me and, and anything else is just uh, icing on the cake I think. <laughs> fantastic fantastic no it's it's obviously such a unique journey to be able to sort of take where you're at to kind of be here and, and sort of seeing how that's going to uh play out um i got gonna close this out with a set of fun questions that we've got we like to do with all our guests but just quickly a couple of things before i do i've pushed this to brie i've pushed this to ash i've pushed this to sarah i have to push it to you now too kiara the sled when it like just say you are going to the olympics we're just saying we're positive on this show i i Mm -hmm. i i I have no athletic ability at all i i still strive to become tasmania's first ever winter olympian but now that Dean and Tali have qualified in curling, I think my, my sports are getting lower and lower. So the best I can hope for is that you'll name the sled after me. So can we, can you, can you really push? I know Ash's boyfriend is called Ben, so it kind of works on both sides here. Can we call the sled Ben? Can, can you help put in a good word for me, please? I mean, I, well, Ben, Ben is, Ben is, is not a sled name. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's sort of sledish, you know. Oh, um, right, you know? I, I mean, I could, I could, all right. I will mildly probably not push for it. Good. That's a, that's a good enough for me, I think. But, I mean, I, I think as Ash mentioned, you know, sleds gen- you've got to have a female name usually. So, I mean, Benita yeah. could work, you know, B- yeah. ben, Beninda, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere somewhere the other thing that i also we like to try and do is uh obviously during the coverage of the olympics channel 7 will probably you know do some nice little packages on you all give you some nice little interviews all that kind of stuff sneak in some words there we're trying to get you to get some sort of word in to see if you can kind of play this now going through your instagram looking here uh, you know i don't know if this is a hobby or a talent that the ukulele i'm seeing here <laughs> Something that maybe there. So maybe like we can My use the word <laughs> your lockdown. There you go. So I mean, maybe we could just throw in the word ukulele when you're being interviewed by like Mel McLaughlin or something like that. That's not too hard of a word, idea. maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it could sneak in there very subtly. But yeah. I don't think anyone would notice. Exactly. <laughs> I just ukulele yeah there you go perfect i mean we're getting we're getting dean and tarly we're really trying to get them because they're they're big on the friends quotes so we've said that they could go viral by being the curlers at the olympics who drop friends quotes like could that be any more of a good curl like simple like that so um we're trying to get some things out there that, that can really uh you know bring in the kids and the fans to the sport and ukulele lovers would go off for that sort of stuff Kiara so you know maybe I'll just like carry a ukulele around with me hey just be background yes or you could bring it in the sled and you could be playing the ukulele while Ash is driving and you could be the musical bobsled team you could be doing the some people saying oh we don't believe Jamaica has a bobsled team change it to Australia and then you've got a perfect perfect thing right there 
I think it would be pretty easy to do on the ride down. <laughs> exactly. That, that There's no complications with that uh, at all. Uh, as I said, Carol, we like to close out a series of sort of fun, random questions. Now, as always, these are based on a questionnaire that Team Canada gave their athletes ahead of both Rio and Pyeongchang. And I'm using, as always, we'll let's try and get an athlete from the same sport. We've got a bobsledder. Alicia Risling, who I've been seeing has been doing okay at the moment at the current World Cup. I don't know how uh, often you get to bump shoulders with uh, with Alicia there, but uh, she seems to be... She's, doing... a, she's on the NAC, I think. Right, okay. Well, <laughs> from what I can see, she's she's doing quite well with that. So, yeah, uh, so well, these are simple questions. I like to say simple. And there's two drawing elements. Now, again, look through your Instagram. You've got a bit of a skill here. You, you are a bit of a drawer. So... We like to give homework if you want to, and I will say the only time that guests oh, on the no, show no, have no. drawn has been Sarah and Ash. So you can be the third bobsledder no. and kick their asses in terms of drawing. So no, I'm really oh, okay. <laughs> no pressure at all, Kiara. Sarah, Sarah yeah. won. We put it out to our listeners about who yeah, was the better drawer. That. Yeah. So uh, look, I think you can trump looking at your drawing on your Instagram, but we'll get to those. Um, first question for you today: What is your favorite all-time Olympic moment? Hmm. I don't know. I just really love watching um, the Olympics in general. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I, I know that's really you know, it's not a moment, but I, I like the the moment of the Olympics. Like I, I love all of the the world coming together for something really common and. Um, they don't worry about anything else, you know, and and every performance, like regardless of, um, you know, particularly like, even if it's not winning gold or stuff, you can see what it means to that country or or uh, that person or something when they do well or when they put everything they have on the line. And I, I like watching those as a collective Thing. So there's not one particular moment that I think that stands out for me. I think watching the Olympics is always like quite emotional for me, like um, just watching people achieve everything that they've put into it, I think is really special. Great answer. I like that. And I feel I, 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 like I, I, I'm that guy who as soon as the opening ceremony is starting and they've got the countdown going on and I'm watching it, I've got a bit of a tear in my eye. I'm like, oh, the Olympics yeah. are here. Like it, it's yeah. real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy for the next 16 days. No one disturb me. <laughs> if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, superpower. Probably... Um, to just, I mean, this is really basic, but like teleport, like to yeah. just be where I want to be. It'd make bobsledding much easier if you could take the sled with you in your teleport. Yeah. But just, uh, just because I, I like uh, a bit of fluidity, or like I like um, trying new things, but it often often takes you away from you know family and and friends and. It would be really nice to see them whenever you want to. That would be cool. <laughs> Great answer. I like it. Uh, now, there's an obvious answer for this one, but who knows? Uh, your favourite <laughs> sports movie is? A sports movie. My Actually, my favourite sports movie is Coach Carter. <laughs> ah, okay. There we go. But actually, it's a great movie too. Uh, great movie. But I'm glad we didn't just go. Yeah, cool runnings. You know. Yeah. Sports. I'm 
Mikulani is a great movie, of course, as well. But um, yeah, I, I like Coach Carter. Yeah, it gets answered a bit, actually. It's been a while since I've seen that. But uh, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson, you can't go wrong with that, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. you know, why not? <laughs> now, this is a drawing. So this is draw a picture of yourself. So I, I, I don't Ooh. know how you're at that skill with it, but... Uh, if you want to, do I have to do it now? Because not right now. No, no, of course not. We're not. We're not going to sit here for you know and just while you doodle. But like again, okay. homework. If, if you if you feel the urge, you know, look look back at what Ash and Sarah did and go, oh, come on, please, <laughs> amateurs, like draw away, show them how it's done. So no, no pressure at all. No pressure at all. Your funniest childhood memory is funniest childhood memory. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know. I uh, I grew up on a farm, so <laughs> <laughs> I feel like most of my memories would be quite funny to most people. Um, I, I, I don't know. I can't think of anything specific. Sorry, add, add to the, add it to the homework. Yeah. We're just we're just the homework yeah. podcast, apparently. Just okay. Really yeah. so, maybe just like. Good, yes, exactly. Just like don't like I don't want you at the top of the hill in Beijing and go, Oh, there's the answer. No, that's my childhood memory. Yeah, damn it. Uh, could have been two seconds faster on the start mm-hmm. then. Thanks, Ben. Um, yeah. you know, there you go. Um now I love Ash on her interview talked up that she basically had playlists for every single track she would go to uh there. I don't know if you kind of vibe on that, but question here, your favorite pump up song is. So again, I don't know if you have a different one for every track like Ash would or you've got one that just gets you in the zone. But we've actually Ash Ash has a different track for every track uh, every every track. <laughs> a new a different song for every uh track that she drives and she sings it on the way down apparently or at no. least vibes it and i'm like is that helping you i hope that's helping you concentrate but um we started doing a thing um where we were actually here in Sugulda for pre-season and um we were going to the track and uh ellie goulding's still falling for you came on and that's a really easy song to yell at and so sometimes when you go to the track it's cold and it's and it's dark or it's just it's just a bit miserable while you're driving to the track so we just started shouting to it and so from then we started like trying to find songs for each place that we had to shout songs as we go to the track but Ellie Goulding still falling for you is a very good one that gets us pumped up because you can really scream that one (laughs) great I like it, I like it. It sort of uh, works. And I think Colin, yeah, our co-host, he he often takes these songs and adds it to his own playlist so that when he's, you know, off having a run or something like that. So I'm uh, not sure if he's got any Ellie Goulding on his list, but he... he yeah, it doesn't it. it doesn't sound like a pump-up song because, you know, it's not, but, like, you can shout it and so that's Some of those are up. the best, though, I find. <laughs> like, when you've got a song that gets you in the zone, like, I've got, I'm at the gym and, like, I've, you've got your gym list, right, and there's this one song that I put on which, like, I just all of a sudden want to sprint. Like it just it just pumps yeah. you up in the zone and you just you don't care, like you just you're in that zone and then you realise, oh fuck, I'm really the, tired. The now. one we had for Eagles was the greatest showman. Um, yes. From that yeah. whatever that I don't know what it's called, the main one. The yeah. opening like the ladies and gentlemen, this is the thing you've been waiting for. Well, no, not that one. Not that one? Um, or the this you know, is the, me? Let, yeah, this is me. This is it. me. Okay. Yep. Yep. That one's a fun one. We're Great soundtrack. That. The entire movie actually has a fantastic yeah. sound. Lots of yeah. songs on that one you can have. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the most recent TV show that you binge watched is? Um, binge watched TV, probably Outlander, I think. Okay. Did you enjoy I don't it? I watch a lot of TV. Yes, I did. I don't, um, I don't watch a lot of TV. I usually just watch Friends on repeat. 
hey, <laughs> that, that, that's the answer for everything. Like that, that should just be standard. Yeah, you know? so um, I think that's the, the most recent one I've watched. You need to bump shoulders with Dean and Tali at that opening ceremony. Yeah. You need to be, you know, what's your favourite friend's quote, you know, just kind yeah. of going on there. Which friend are you? Like who do you relate most with? I think probably Chandler. Okay, good answer. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Right. And who's Ash? Is is Ash a bit of a you know? I I think she'd well, be a bit of a Chandler, wouldn't she? No, I don't think she'd be a Chandler. I think she'd be a combination of the girls. Okay. Right. Yeah. She's got a little bit blender. of everyone in there. Yeah, I think yep. so. <laughs> That, that 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 works. That works. Uh the draw, next drawing is draw a picture of one of your teammates, so you can draw a picture of Ash as well. So, I'm sure, she'd appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're 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 mean on this show sometimes. Your I, I love this one because it's always well and good to answer your favorite foods, but what are your least favorite foods? Um, oh, I'm really boring with these questions. <laughs> I don't eat anything. <laughs> uh, least favorite food. What don't I like? I, I, I really like everything. You really like everything. Okay. Yeah. Is there, has it been a food like when you're traveling, like if you're in Latvia or something like that, like a local food which you've tried and gone, this isn't for me or, or things like that? Uh, I mean, the guy got us these treats the other day. Um, most of them are really nice. One of them were these meringue things, and I don't even know what they were. They were not that nice. Not that nice. Um, but I would still eat them. <laughs> because I eat everything. I, I mean, the harder, like, I, I try to avoid um, too much gluten, and it's very hard to do when you're in Europe traveling around. So, I mean, that doesn't make me that comfortable all the time. But <laughs> I, really, I really do eat everything. I don't, there's not much that I'm too sad about. That's probably a good thing then. If you're not picky, yeah. you just get everything and just and go for yeah. that. Um, if you weren't an athlete, what would you be? Uh, some sort of um, professional student, I think. <laughs> uh, an academic. I really enjoy study. I, I really enjoy learning. Um, and so, I mean, alongside my athletic career, I've um, I've I've studied and I've got um, got my degrees. But I would probably go into my first degree is um, conservation and wildlife biology. I really wanted to work in a zoo or some sort of form of zoology. Um, and I was going to, before I started athletics, when I graduated, go and work with orangutans in uh, Borneo. And so I think maybe I would go down the animal path and and do things with them. (laughs) I can't imagine there would be too many ex-Olympians who then once they retire, go into uh, working with orangutans in Borneo. So, I mean, that would be a very unique thing you could potentially still do. Something else random for my life. Yeah. <laughs> Took it off the bucket list. There you go. Uh, your favourite vacation spot is? Uh, I My family, every two years, we go uh, camping. We go, um, and we uh, we actually go further into the desert. My dad very much enjoys the desert. Nice. And, uh, so, I, I yeah. It's a bit weird, but I, I really enjoy being out there. Um, we take all our family out there and we go for two weeks and there's the space and the sort of serenity out there is probably like my favourite um, experience. Probably the place uh, I in, in Australia, I, I really like Esperance. Um, it's so beautiful. Um, 
overseas now I've seen a lot more. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think for a vacation, uh, I'm still, yeah, I still love Australia. <laughs> I would probably go back home. <laughs> that's, the, that's the correct answer. Let's be honest. Uh, that's that's the one to, to go with there. If you could be an Olympian in any other sport besides your own, what would it be? <laughs> Maybe I'll try curling. <laughs> hey, yes. <laughs> it's flavour of the month right now. Dan and Tali yeah. are making it cool. So, yes. That no, I think I would really enjoy the uh, modern pentathlon. Oh, uh, hey, I'm wearing the T-shirt right now. I've got the Australian yeah. modern pentathlon. Oh, yeah, I didn't even see <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of hidden there. Like uh, Queen Chloe yeah. has made this sport a thing in Australia. So, uh, you know. No, I think Chloe. I would be, you know. Reasonable at that. I well, these, when you were mentioning heptathlon, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You can work on that. You can work on that. Yeah, but yeah, you know, we're, we're big fans on the show of sports which involve multiple disciplines. So modern pentathlon, mm. decathlon, heptathlon, Nordic combined at the Winter Olympics. Like these to me are the sports in which, you know, it's at mm. because you, you, you can run in a straight line, sure. But like if you've got yeah. to then throw a discus and jump over a bar, I mean, come on, yeah. that involves some skills. Yeah. Just, just talk it all up. Keep it, keep going out there. What is something that people usually describe you as? Maybe determined. Maybe determined works. Yes, yeah. that's a good answer. You'd want to use that to your your advantage all the time. Of yeah. course, and, uh, live up to live up to that one. Last question for you today. What are your guilty pleasures? Now I'll just I'll just jump in here and say that Alicia has said Starbucks, cinnamon buns, and barstool sports. Oh, so, cinnamon buns are very good one. In uh, in America, I, I ate a lot of cinnamon buns. Yep, yep. Um, guilty pleasures uh, on on days where I'm just like I just have a bad day. I eat a lot of snacks. I get the um, <laughs> Salt, slightly salty, slightly sweet popcorn, you know? Mm, and, yes. And then some chocolate and I'll probably get a pizza. <laughs> 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 and then I just lay in bed watching movies all day. That's great, probably. Great uh, answer. That's what we all, we all secretly <laughs> want in life, right? If that was an Olympic sport, I would be in with a shot. Um, Most so, people would be <laughs> I think so. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There is another drawing. Want to draw your? If you were an animal, what would it be? And it says draw and explain. Uh, and I like. I like. drawn a wolf, and she's written with it. Why do you guys keep making me draw? <laughs> <laughs> so you can, um, you can put that as a caption if you like. That's another homework one. I have to think. I about know. It's, it's not like having <laughs> Olympics to train for or anything. Oh, I mean, yeah, come this on. Is like, I know. She's- Come on, a I'm podcast gonna, and talk about my career. My <laughs> I know, right? We said you like to study, so yeah, uh, that's you know, true. Kind, yeah. kind of on that way. Kara, before <laughs> we let you go, social media, anything like that, people can uh, stay up to date with your with your journey, follow you uh, along the path to, to Beijing and and beyond. Well, my Instagram is probably the most I use. I'm not very good with social media. You won't see a lot on there, but um, I will try more if you guys like. <laughs> um, <laughs> just my name, Kiara Dingus, and um, all one word. That's my uh, social media. Yeah, very simple. Easy. <laughs> Easy. And if people if people people can't work that out, then if they're following us on social media, we obviously tag you in this post, so I'm sure they can uh, find that there. Kiara, it has been an absolute pleasure to to talk to you, to learn about your journey, very unique journey kind of from the middle of Western Australia potentially to the snowy fields of 
Beijing. Fingers and toes crossed with everything going your way. We're saying it right now. You will be there in Beijing partnering up with Ash and kicking some ass and uh, doing very well there. But we appreciate your time here on uh, Off the Podium and uh, we'll be watching you with anticipation come Beijing very, very shortly. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Massive, massive thanks there to Kiara. Great chat and just fascinating to learn about what it's like even seeing snow for the first time, uh, going through a uh, majority of her life without even seeing that because it is something that some people do take for granted, particularly living in Europe and, and Canada and America and, and other places like that. Obviously, Colin would basically laugh at the prospect of having never seen snow, uh, whereas I guess for most Australians, it's something that is uh, something you generally never see. So uh, great to hear kind of that too. And uh, the friends' quotes are alive, uh, really going out there to, to try and see uh, if they can be used at the Olympics. We're looking forward to seeing Dean and Tali quote a lot of the, the friends' quotes come Beijing as well. So uh, big thanks to Kiara for her time. Great chat there, learning a lot more. As I said at the top of this episode, we're hours away from Beijing, just absolute right there. We're on the cusp Get pumped, get excited. As I say, over the last few weeks, of course, we've got episodes every single day between now and the closing ceremony. Get excited. We're going to have a preview episode. Jared, Colin, and myself will be talking everything to do with Beijing. We're going to have a special episode where we're going to be playing clips from all the guests that we've had on who are going to Beijing. We're calling it our Athletes to Watch at Beijing episode. So essentially, every guest that will be in Beijing that is officially qualified, we'll play a snippet from our interview that we have had with them to kind of get you back in the zone and remember that. And we're going to do a lot more highlighting of them throughout the games. We did a bit of that, of course, through Tokyo as we aim to break the curse. The curse in the purse. We sort of did break it in Tokyo. We got medals from our guests, but we yet to get a gold. We yet to get a gold from any of our guests and also yet to have an Australian medal who has been on our show. So no pressure, Australia. Come bashing. No pressure at all. So we'll see how that goes. But we're, we're very much looking forward to covering Beijing for you. We, we love bringing you daily episodes through all of the Olympic coverage that we do. And you know that we're a bit partial to the winters over the summers. So uh, very excited to bring it. It'll be, it'll be unique sort of games as well because uh, I, I will be in a different location working outside of this podcast for the Olympics in a way. So maybe we will discuss that slightly on our preview episode and uh, kind of get a bit of a vibe of what I'll be doing outside of recording this podcast during the Olympics. It's going to be a very busy couple of weeks, but very much looking forward to it. But Kiara, great to have her on the show. Thanks very much. Make sure you jump on social media and check her out. And while you're on social media, check us out as well. Off the podium, as I said to Kiara there, if uh, maybe you can't find her on social media, if you find us, we will tag her in the post. You can then follow her on there or on Instagram or on Twitter. We are, of course, on Facebook. And now on YouTube, you can see this video uh, version of the interview on YouTube, so don't worry about staring at my face. You can stare at Kiara and see her answer those questions, obviously, via video. And while you're online as well, subscribe to the podcast, Off the Podium. Search for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. And if you've missed any of our other episodes, great interviews, anything along those lines, you can find all the episodes on those and uh, simply listen to them all again. You've got a bit of catching up to do if you're joining us today. Head of Beijing. Maybe go back and listen to some of the winter ones and uh, some of the other athletes that uh, will be there in the Olympics. I'll, I'll simply wait to our Beijing 22 athletes to watch one that I just teased. 
I've said it about five times and I'll say it again. Thanks again to Kiara for her time. My name is Ben, this is Off The Podium. Special shout out to Jason Momoa. And as always, remember, go left. What an episode. You loved every single second of it. It's been, again, just quickly reminding you once again, if you want to help us win a Sports Podcast Award, sportspodcastawards.com, register to vote, click on Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast section, listen to the other nominees, and then go, hey, Off the Podium's awesome. They're so good. They put in so much work and so much effort, and we just love them, and they deserve to go on the podium for once. Ben's awesome. Jared's awesome. Colin's okay, but he's also kind of awesome. We'd really appreciate it. And particularly if you've actually listened to the rest of this and ended up here, because generally I assume you've well and truly tuned out by now. But seriously, if you're at this point of the podcast, then you're a true listener. And that means that you're a true fan and you should vote for us. Sportspodcastawards.com. Do it now. We will thank you forever. Literally ever. Like every episode moving forward, we will thank you forever. Sportspodcastawards.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak to you next time on Off the Podium. I'm I'm really going to go now. Bye.